0: Do you participate in an effusive overflow of a sense of God's wonder in his love? Do you? I have. I want to more. But is that where you're seeking life? Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's sermon podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. For our reading today, we're going to continue in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 11 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Many of you have met my new puppy, Parker. Oh, he's not new anymore. i about a year. He did a great source of joy in my life, and I'm very thankful for him. And if you haven't met him, you're, you're lost. But uh, we all actually brought him to worship a few times, but then I felt really liberal, and I just don't want to do that. I don't want to bring dogs to church. Anyway, that was a joke for those of you who get it. All right. But I was out there teaching him how to fetch. You ever taught a dog how to fetch? It's not easy, actually. It doesn't really come to naturally, and you have to. Yeah, and he's luckily he's very food motivated. So if if you've got food, you toss, he'll bring it back. He'll drop it just so he can get the food, and and the reward works. And before you know it, you do that enough, and you build up a pattern in the dog and his behavior. So we, we were over in the park the other day, and, and I'm standing there at the, at the edge of this big open area for dogs, it's probably a dog area, and, uh, and I pick up a stick, and he got them all excited about it, and I tossed it, and as I tossed it, I looked down, and I realized I had tossed it into a field of wood chips. Now, I could no longer see the stick. <laughs> he ran right to where the stick was and just sat there looking, and there's no way you could see a stick that I had thrown in a field of sticks, right? What's he going to do? I mean, I couldn't see it myself. I'm completely bewildered. And I remember the minute it happened, I thought, that's a sermon illustration, if I've ever seen one. There's a sermon illustration in that somewhere. Somewhere there's some illustration of deep truth. But I'd hoped there was, and I I think maybe there is. Because what happened to me is I thought about it later, and it really comes comes to bear in the message today. And that is that... uh, Sometimes I wonder if that's how you experience my preaching or my teaching. In other words, I tell you something, get you all excited about Jesus, let's say, and toss it out into the world. I toss you out into the world. We all go out into the world. And by Tuesday, you can't remember, (coughs) you can't tell the difference between God's truth and the truths that you kind of are dealing with every day in and out, the truths of your own joys, right, or your own choices. And so... It, it, it bothers me. Well, how do I keep, or how can we keep, or is it possible to keep the words from a Sunday morning being just one stick thrown in with a million others, right? What makes it different? What, what will make it different? Well, that's exacerbated. That problem has actually increased. It is actually made more profound by the subject matter today, which is joy. You notice my habit when it comes to exegeting scripture is that we uh, you can see up there John fifteen seven to 17. That was last week's text. And I didn't change the, uh, the reference, but, but it, we tightened in and we're, we're doing that. All, 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 what I like to do is I like to get a big view and, and look at the scripture as a whole and then get in tight, get in real tight and ask ourselves if we understand the core truths of the text. And this was the one that was there. And when I saw it, Look, I'm, I'm always thinking ahead about where we're pre- what I'm going to preach on in John. But there's a part of me that leaves a bit of it before the Holy Spirit and says, Father, show me what you want to speak or show me what I should speak about. And is there anything I might be avoiding? Well, I am, an ex- I struggle with depression. I am by nature a melancholic personality, and I enjoy being depressed. That's why I make such a great Reformed Presbyterian. Anyway, uh, now, so I don't want to preach about this. The first thing I thought, I don't want to preach about that. I don't, to, I don't want to, I don't want to do something else. Nobody will even notice. Just keep going. And the minute I thought that, I'm like, oh yeah, but Chris, you know, the reason you always say you preach through texts regularly and you preach through a book like John is to keep yourself from sitting on hobby horses that you, that, you know, only preaching the things you like to preach, only focusing on the things that please you and come to you easily. But joy does not come to me easily. I have to confess it, and so, I, and, and so as I'm kind of looking at, at that, even made me more upset. So now, if you don't, if you don't know me, it's gonna—you're not gonna be very impressed with me as a pastor right now. But I got really resentful and irritated about to get God. I'm like, I don't understand why you're giving me texts that I don't want to preach on. I don't want to, and I—I—that I, I, you, you really can't move forward when that's the discussion you're having with God in your head but there was more to it than merely my disposition and character or personality. I think I've been given a Sisyphean task, a task I can't accomplish for you and can't hope to do with your hearts. And what's that? Get you excited about the joy of the Lord. I I don't think I can do it. I I, I think I am behind on every tenth of this because we are bloated with joy. And what I mean that is bloated with what we call joy pleasure. We are the pleasure seekers, the pleasure lovers, the hedonists of history. Oh my goodness. You don't even know how we, we've got it. We have a thousand channels. I can remember when it was amazing that I had two or three hundred. I have thousands of channels to surf and, and I have millions of web pages to click. And I, we are a satiated, bloated people. We really are. I'm convinced. I'm the same way, and so if I come to you to appeal to you, hey Peter, hey Lindsay, hey, hey Mia, just get excited. Let's get ex- let's in- let's look into. Let's ask for and seek the joy of the Lord. Well, I got a, a Jedi Fallen Order just came out. It's a pretty good video game. Can the joy of the Lord compete with Jedi Fallen Order? Uh, it didn't for me last Monday. Anyway, and it's not that those other joys aren't. Okay, but what do we do with them? And what do we do in them? What do we do for them? Everything. They become our gods. We are trained for joy. We were made. This hand was quilted. These blood vessels were, this throat, we, you were made for joy. And we take that image of God. We take the joyful God that we created us and we pervert it into a thousand different little appetites. What gives you joy? And... and, and and it gets worse than that. I'm up against Big Pharma. I'm, at, I'm up against all of the greatest marketers of the world. Okay, let's just talk about the education of mice. What are the education of mice? Do you think? that the mazes and the rewards and the electrodes in the head and the cocaine or or pleasure, whatever it is, that they train a a mouse to go through a maze to push a button so they get a pellet. Push a button, get a pellet. Do you think that all of those researchers are interested in mice? They're not. They're interested in Johnny. They wanna know how to trigger Johnny to push the pellet. They want to get, they get Peter, they want Lindsay, they want you, man, they want us all to push the pellet. And marketing and psychology has gotten so sharp, it knows what a desiring little weasel you really are. And how you're constantly trying to find the next thing that's going to give you joy. And get this, this is how amazing this is. Uber did this with their drivers, and they learned about it in video games. The human attention span is measurable and predictable. Do you know that? And the human attention span wafts at a certain point. But if in the video game or in the Uber uh, as a driver or in, in a web page, there's a little bait right there, it comes at just the right time, the pop-up comes at right time to what? Keep your interest going. And what, how many hours did you spend? Anybody? Anybody want to give a grand total of how many hours they spent clicking? Clicking, clicking this to click that, to click this, to click that. And we are, we're, 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 we're being trained, and all that ed- education in life was meant to get at you, Gina, to figure out how you want the stuff you want. Now, this is why I don't want to preach about joy. Does that make sense? Because it does I don't know how to get there. You are all such intense lovers of pleasure, you, it, is, it is almost impossible to get you away from it. And I am just like you and these obstacles in our hearts are profound let me add one more obstacle that i'm weary of beyond be imagining and that is christian cynicism i have seen amongst christians especially in san francisco a sort of elitist kind of well you know you know we hope for the best in god but you know we're here to be faithful yeah or just a lack of any passion or joy, just kind of a a cool, worldly-wise Christianity that kind of is acceptable. Well, we'll look at these different lifestyles. We'll try to figure out what we can manage and what we can adapt to and how we can adapt and how we can be and how we can create pleasure for other Christians. And then we build churches that do what? The little pleasure centers. The little pleasure centers with rock walls and, and, and really, really good music and lights down and ecstatic and fog. Wouldn't it be amazing if I had fog coming out right now? We're up against this. And I, I, uh, I feel kind of scared of it all. I, like, I don't know why. I want to serve you when I preach. I don't want to get up here and just keep doing things and braying like some donkey. Boy, I really controlled myself there. But it brings up the question, do you have Christ's joy? Do you, I, mean, do I, I, mean, I need you to answer this candidly for yourself. Do you participate in an effusive overflow of a sense of God's wonder in his love? Do you? I have have. I want two more. But is that your fount? Is that where you're seeking life? Do you have Christ's joy at dancing, singing, shouting, noisy joy? You know anything as I was describing that? You know what I hear as a Presbyterian? That sounds like embarrassing worship. That sounds like a worship that wasn't scripted properly by a liturgy. That's how crazy this is. That's how removed I am. That's how removed we can get. I'm asking this candidly. This is the description of what joy looks like. I'm mourning into dancing. My heart and flesh sing, shout for joy, and make a joyful noise. In fact, especially these three, the amount of texts in the Psalms that describe singing, shouting, and noisy, being noisy, it's just wondrous. Of course, Psalm 30, the morning into dancing sounds like David. David, in that ecstatic moment before the Ark of the Covenant, shouting for dancing for joy as he brought in the Ark to Jerusalem. Now, all right, so do you have Christ's joy? Do you have this? I, I wonder, you know, it's funny. Uh, Alex, you met Alex. Alex, he's a young uh, kid who's been doing worship with Love SF. I don't know if you've noticed the way he acts in worship. It's a little uncomfortable for some of us. I was like... You know he's very he's ecstatic, and I, for my part, love it. I'm like, and then we're sitting there, we're having worship this week, and we're having a meeting. The meeting just turned into praise and worship for an hour. A I prayer. I, I I was like, I didn't get anything done. Praise God. Anyway, um, he was describing to me that there's one church in the city. They said they come together for praise and worship for two to three hours at a time, and i was sitting there going, you know what's sad. I don't even want that, do you hear? And I think a number of you don't either. In fact, as I thought about what would it be like to schedule something like that for our community, I immediately threw up my hands and realized nobody's gonna go to that. What is wrong? Is it that we have a different culture, different personalities? Maybe that feeds into it, maybe there's a truth in it. But even if there's a truth in it that our culture and our personalities don't act like this, and I beg to differ, because I've seen some of you at sporting events, so I really wonder about the veracity of that claim. But even if I claim that, then it will come up in some other way. Does that make sense? Like the effusive overflow of an encounter with the wondrous love of God will pop. You can't, it's like stuffing something and you can't, you can't keep it stuffed. It's going to pop out. It's going to erupt. It's going to overflow. And so even if you say, well, Chris, we're not going to dance here. We don't believe that's a worship element. Or we're going to say, we... Well, we, we shouting sounds. That's just not our a joyful noise. Well, some of your singing is a joyful noise, and that's about it. But praise him, right? But seems to me something's missing. Something's missing, and I want to find how to get it. So, how do I find? Now, this is something about. This is one of the ways I think about preaching, and some of you it drives you nuts because you're always like, well. I, I, Preaching is your journey through the wilderness of my heart <laughs> and how the Word of God has affected it. <laughs> like, I bring to you my struggle with God's Word. I'm bringing it to you. This is, this is me just kind of letting you in. This is what's going on inside. I'm wondering why I can't get my people to erupt with joy and why I can't get myself to erupt with joy. And so, you know what you know, happened with this sermon I felt lost. You can ask my wife. Hours just like Pages of notes. No, no organization. It finally came together, but I just, I felt so frustrated by it. Why? Why am I so frustrated, Father? I'll tell you what happened. It was happening in prayer. Having the time of our prayer yesterday, Gary. And it flowed out from there. It flowed out this morning in prayer, too. Because what do I need to focus on? I want to focus on Jesus, remember eyes on Him. I want to focus on Jesus, and don't you hear the clue here? What's the clue about joy? He wants you to know about His joy. seems such a weird place to start. Like, I don't know. What, do we know what 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 is that? And then I realized as I was kind of cracking open the Bible that delight, pleasure, sweet smelling aromas, the pleasure of a good smell, those are attributed to God they are a tribute to our God. In fact, they, we find that they are the fount of His predestining love. We find out that they are the action that drove Him to the cross. <sighs> if we can get our hands, our hearts, or our minds, or our attitudes, or our sensibilities focused on Christ's joy, God's joy. And you don't think of God as a being of joy, do you? You know why? Because we have antique very Aristotelian, Greek concepts of God, where God is either a great old grandfather with a long beard, or he simply is an abstraction, like something we call the supreme being. We don't call him the living joy. (laughs) And that's what he is, even though that's what he is. And that's what he claims to be. What is Christ's joy? What is Jesus's joy? Because it's God's joy. And we're going to look at those as two things. And I I just want to begin, there's these little wonderful turns of phrase in the scripture. Oh, the scripture breathes life of joy to us. Okay, hold on to that because that's one of the keys to joy is to be in the Bible. Because he delights instead, God just delights in love. Have you ever met anybody who's kind of in love with being in love? you kind of—we see people like this, and we've all been there at some point. We're just—we're in that puppy love, the puppy uh, kind of excitement of, of of romance, and and we're kind of in love with being in love. We love the feeling, right? And the, the feeling itself kind of keeps driving the horse and kind of driving. The, we love it. Isn't it amazing that that little feeling that you remember having—that puppy love that was engendered by the look of your of your lover? Wait a second. That's a description of God. That means you're an image bearer, Jack, when you look to Joyce that way. That means that you're loved in your love together in your marriage, that is an image of what? Being in love with being in love is a picture of God's own love. He's in love with love. He delights in it. And we all can relate to that, can't we? We all know those delights. We all know those feelings, but we, dare, we, we rarely attribute them or think of them for our God, do we? It gets better than that because it's not just love in the abstract, it's love for himself, yeah, why not? He's got a great self-image, God does. (laughs) The the beloved Son, the God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are unafraid to celebrate the amazing joys they have in each other. Praise him. What is Christ's joy? That he is a joy to his dad. (laughs) That's amazing. What is Christ's joy but that he, he constantly is dropping clues? I tell everything my Father said. I do everything He said to me. I have so much. I love my Father. He loves me. And this, all this whole text has been a mosaic of pictures and images of Christ in adoration with His Father and the Father right here. Adoration of the Son. I told I shared that, vote, that quote with you from Barnhouse a few weeks ago that I, I'm so in love with, and that from eternity past to eternity future, nothing has pleased the Almighty. Like Jesus. <laughs> he just gets pleasure. Just, just who he is and what he does and how. Praise him. Je- God is excited about Jesus. Jesus is excited about his Father. What other joy does he have? He has the joy of a goal. His joy is a motivation towards a goal. Your salvation, your rescue on a cross for the joy set before him. What kind of a God is this? Don't you want to fall in love with a God like this? He's in love with you. I just want to fall. Don't you want to get excited about this? This is the sort of God that I don't even know how to, I'm I'm a beggar before him. You see, as a servant of his, of his as I preach the, preach the word, I'm not worthy of these truths. I'm not even worthy to speak them. They're so much greater than I am. Praise him. Praise him with highest praise. But get this, it gets better. Look at this father's good pleasure, his good pleasure. And again, the, the, uh, the benediction from Jude. Now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. And how will God present you, Lindsay? How will he present you, Will? He will present you to me before his throne with what? Great joy. He's just super excited. And Notice that his joy is all you. We're his joy now. I What? we are his joy and the trinity father son and holy spirit there's a little love note to to stephanie come on in come on in come into my love come into my joy come into my eternity come into everything that i am for you come in come in from the cold come in his joy is other-centered His joy is his motivation. His joy is the description of his relationship with himself, with his son. His joy is a joy in love itself. Wow. All right, this is something I want. But let's go full circle down here. Uh, You know what? By the way, for some reason, the ESV translates the pleasures of God, eudokia. It was a Greek word used here. The Greek, the Greek, uh, the Jews had to come up with a new word when they translate the Old Testament because all the Greek words for pleasure all had to do with sex. Edone, hedonism, they all had to do with. They, they didn't fit the uh, the concept of delight and pleasure in Hebrew, which is, has such a wonderful purity to it. And then, but the earliest, early, one of the earliest times we meet God's pleasures is after the flood. So he has, he, has, uh, he has judged the world, and, and Noah offered an a sacrifice. And this is God's response to the sacrifice. And when the I am smelled, the pleasing aroma, stop, full stop. Oh, man. I don't care if you're a vegetarian. No, I was raised a vegetarian. My parents were hippies. You know that. I love the smell of steak. I, I think it's one of the most wonderful aromas. It, just, it can get you up. Like What is that? Anyway that feeling you've had, God has that. Isn't that weird? Isn't that odd? Well, you're in his image. He borrows from us anthropomorphically. I know that, but who cares? This is telling you who he really is. He is pleasing aroma, but catch this. The I am said in his heart, full stop. The Old Testament does not know Trinity yet. It can't see it yet. God hasn't revealed it yet. But in little hidden places, you'll find it. The Trinity is popping up everywhere. The I am said in his heart. Now that you know what the love of God is and you know about the Trinity, when, when it says God said to his heart, who is the father talking to? He's talking to the son. This is that, this is God's love in primitive, ancient form. God said, and said in his heart, that's Jesus. That can't be anybody but Jesus. But what did he say? I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. That doesn't make sense. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Read that again. And when the I am smelled the pleasing aroma, all the pleasures of God that we've all been looking at, all this his joy, the I am said in his heart, he something he said, this is in miniature, so the, the, the Trinity in miniature, said in his heart, says to Jesus, I will... I'm not going to curse them again because of man, because the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. In other words, God is saying, there's no, he's, he's making the same complaint I made when I started the sermon. He's making the same complaint. There's no hope for, heart, for man. There's no hope for man. I can't make you a joyful woman, Rochelle. I can't do it. I could bend over backwards and die for you, but it won't work. I can't make you a joyful man. It won't work. It doesn't doesn't work that way. This is a promise that the sacrifice that pleased him then was a promise of the sacrifice that would please him at Calvary. This is the promise of Calvary. When the son dies and he becomes the pleasing aroma and he says to the father from his heart, I will remove the curse forever. Oh, I love this God. Oh, I want you to fall in love with him. This is such an. Did I just do that? This is such an amazing uh, ex- thing to, 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 for us to 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 hover over and, and to see. What's that last that last mystery that the God says in His heart? It's about Christ being in you, and His love be, and calling you His friends, and calling you friends. Uh, the guy who runs the universe is your friend. the one who rose from the dead, the king of kings. He's your friend. Oh, if you're not picking up on clues and opportunities for joy, you're not paying attention anymore, but that's okay. Because God has a plan for how to bring joy. So the first point being, we need his joys. We need his joys in us. And that only comes by intimacy. That's why we read this. Let's read it again. And what I want, this is from Psalm 16. I want you to see This is actually what's called a chiasm. This is a little exegetical uh, tidbits for you. If you look at this first and last uh, couplet, they actually mirror each other. Do you notice that? They use the same language. I've set the I am in my face always. Now, you can translate that before him, and that's the way it is translating the SV, but I changed here. I have set the I am in my face. Look down here. In your face is full joy. He is at my right hand. He's talking about God. At your right hand are lasting pleasures. Now, who's right Who's at the, you know, you get that? These these are these are complements of one another, and this middle bit is the middle of the chiasm. It's called the ABA structure. Think of it like the creamy center of a candy, like this is the nougat center of a Mars bar or something, and this is the chocolate on the outside. I shall not be shaken. My heart is glad, it's full of joy. My whole being is rejoices. This is all joy. My flesh dwells secure. You will not abandon, I don't have to worry about, I don't even have to worry about death. I have all, and then in your face is full joy. And what is the idea here is this is a face-off between God the Father and David and that they are, they are so in love with each other that all they have is joy. And God is the right hand of David and David's at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Nobody fulfills this like Jesus, obviously. This is a promise about Jesus in, in David's own uh, life and imagination, but that's fine. Because that's what it's meant to be. But I see something here for us. You, this is being offered to you today. Some of you don't know God yet. You haven't made a decision for Christ. And, and, and God is near you right now. He's here and available. I want to call you to put your faith in Christ, to invite him in, to, 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 to put out your right hand as he extends his. Because because together you're being invited to in all of this joy and love. Hey, maybe you never really made that decision. Maybe you ever made a decision for Christ. Make it today. Why? Well, it's being offered to you. You know what? I want to share something with you. It's my joy to offer that. It's one of my joys. To talk about that. To, to, to you know, I may not be a joyful person by personality, but when I start talking about Jesus, I get joyful. You've seen that happen, haven't you? Yeah. I can walk into a <laughs> prayer meeting early in the morning in such a foul disposition, I would scare away the crack of dawn. And you get me talking about Jesus and, and praying, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm all groovy again. Well, well, we'll, explain, we'll explain that in a little bit. The invitation is there, but I want you to hear the invitation more deeply, because some of you have been crept Christian cynics, and you're not experiencing joy. That's hard. Let me tell you something. Our joy, if you have been born again by Christ, this is not for those I've just invited to trust Christ. If you, I'm invited to trust Christ, just start praying that in your heart now. But those of you who know him, I make you a promise. You will never be more miserable than when you run from him. In other words, you, if you are already saved by Christ and, and been alerted to his joys, then I'm sorry to tell you, Johnny, that this is, the other joys of the world are just never going to cut it anymore. They won't even begin to cut it. You could run for years and years, and then you know, in the end, they don't cut it. Not if you have known Christ's joy. Nothing is more miserable than a Christian, a born again believer, who will not seek their joy in Jesus. They're the most miserable people in the world. No wonder Christians get such a bad rap because so many of us are no longer living in this wonderful exchange of intimate joy back and forth. Oh, I praise him. Put Christ before you now. He asks for you to, and even believer, please hear again, cry out for joy now. That's, we're gonna go into the more, into the application of this text now because our joy can be full. What does that promise mean? We've looked at Christ's joys that they're amazing and eternal and full of love. They can be in us by intimacy, by us asking and by us knowing Jesus, by a sacrifice at the cross. He becomes the sweet smelling aroma that your joy may be full. Well, this is interesting. This seems like a promise that joy can be increased. Like, like, there's, like there's something kind of unlimited in it or something that can be expanded and realized. I never really thought of that. Before. Like, like well, well, that's kind of exciting. Interestingly, we know this was written by John and these words seared into his soul. They became his letters. He picked up on this again later. We are writing these things. Why? That our joy may be complete. That things to write, uh, write to you. I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. And there's this wonderful idea of an expansive reality that we're a part of. How are we going to do this? Well, the scriptures always agree with themselves. Always. He is the vine dresser. We are the branches. And we are supposed to bear what? Fruit. If we don't bear fruit, what are we? We're useless. We'd be thrown away. we be burned. What is this fruit of the Spirit? Well, we could, we, could, we could know it's love. Love's all agape love and the transforming love of Jesus is all over, John. But it's also peace. Why is this so important? It, it means that for you to increase your joy, you don't chase joy. Does that make sense? You chase Jesus. You seek the Spirit. That's the only... Otherwise, you put the cart behind the horse. Now, I put the cart in front of the horse, sorry. And the idea of the cart and the horse, I, I, even as I use that, I realize many of you have never ridden in a cart. And <laughs> horses pull. They don't push. They're not any good at pushing. Uh, horses pull. And, they're, and the idea behind this is that there are ideas that also don't pull, that don't push. They only pull. And... Joy only can be pulled. It can never push. Joy is something that results from your knowledge and your intimacy and your access to Jesus. And that's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. What's my point here? You need to become a Holy Spirit people. I'm telling you right now, before the Lord is my witness, you must become a people earnest for the Holy Spirit. You must. I'm saying this because the Spirit is sovereign. And Reformed tradition is the only charismatic tradition because we believe that the God, the sovereign God, is the sovereign Spirit. You must come to the Spirit. I'm serious. I do business with God in the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. It was, one of, it was the turning point in my whole ministry and career in life. In the inner city, watching people die, destroyed, and my own depression, caving in. I began to pray, pray one thing. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me... Fill me today. That was it. I had nothing left. Nothing more. I was desperate. And you might get there this, this semester, Mia. And uh, and so, but, but I encourage you, like I encourage everybody else here. Search for the gi- giver, then get the gifts. There is, but there is joy, isn't there, in the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, there is. A whole lot of joy. A joy that completes. Let's keep going on. Nehemiah 8, 10. So they he said to them, go your way, this is, uh, I think it was Ezra, and I think it's Ezra, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for the day our, is holy to our Lord, and we do not, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've always wondered what that meant. Well, it kind of moves right with Christ's words. What did he say? These things I have spoken to you. All right, what's going on in Nehemiah 8? The people just found a Bible. I don't know what, this is so weird. It happened a period of times. And I know for some of you, you've had that same experience. Oh, well, wow, I have a Bible. I know some of you have had that. Girls in your class and go, oh my goodness, I still have a Bible. I haven't opened this in years. Well, we've all had that. So did the people of God. They had it with Josiah before they went on, on captivity and they all went nuts. Well, same thing happened after they went back from captivity and they, and they went and they read the Bible. If they never read it. Most people never read it. And it says, and they read it, and the people went nuts. These things I have spoken to you, says Jesus, that my joy may be in you, and what? Your joy may be complete. What's my, look, your Bible is God's love letters to you. They're everywhere. Your joy, you, you will forever be separated from knowing the joy in the Holy Spirit and the joy of Calvary and the joy of forgiveness and the joy of his love if you're not in the word. And it sounds so simple, but it's so basic, right? Look, if I don't listen to my wife's words, what good am I? Seriously. What kind of a husband doesn't listen to his wife's words unless he hates her? Right? But we treat our Savior the same way. I'm calling you, calling you back to the joy of the Lord. And the joy is in His word. There are rich promises for all of us, and they're everywhere present. The joy of the Lord then becomes what? Our strength. Oh, I love this. This is why I call you to worship. It's why I get so discouraged when people don't come to worship. Not because you need to hear me, you know, because you must, you must, you must come back to the word again and again. It's our hope. That's why we read things responsibly. Why? What am I saying when we read things responsibly? There's an intention behind that. It's not just a tradition. The idea here is I need Stephanie to speak the word of God to me as much as you need to hear it, right? I am standing up there saying, I need God's word. Speak it to me. Some of you will say to me occasionally, quote back to me my sermons, and that's a big no-no around here, and all of you do it anyway, but be patient with me. What I mean is, is I need to hear the good news of God's love from you as much as you need to hear from me. I don't have anybody preaching to me. I mean, this is real. I mean, Lord, the Lord deals bountifully with me. I Trust me, I, I, have I am so thankful for the experiences of joy he's given me. Have you ever heard of Jonathan Edwards saying that he felt the presence of God and it slayed him, he laid on the ground, and he said, God, please, the joy is so intense, just stop. Oh, I love that story. I have had that experience. I am so thankful for it. It has fueled me in many dark, dark days and dark years even when those experiences don't happen. But, uh... I need to hear the word. You need to hear it. These things I have spoken to you, says Jesus. And this is where this text comes from. And let's end with this. Joy. Now, what what kind of a joy have I been describing? Well, it's a joy that springs from eternity, is fueled by an eternal love at the cross where the Father is forever pleased. And Jack, (laughs) me, because I am in Jesus. But these words by Jesus are being spoken a few hours before he's going to be flogged within an inch of his life, mocked and spit upon. That's not the worst of it. I, don't thi- I think those things, I know those things hurt terribly, but they must never hurt as much as knowing that all of his friends left. You know what? Your friends, bam, into the night. One of them, your best friend, he denied you. You knew it was going to happen. you knew you know it's going to happen, it doesn't make it hurt any less. Yeah. These words about joy were given on the eve of his crucifixion. When everything's going to go wrong, what's the promise here? What's the promise here? I can give you a joy greater than your sufferings and your trials and your persecutions, and they're coming. They're coming, aren't they? Some of, them, some of us, they've already arrived. Some of us are in great physical pain. Some of us are in great loneliness and fear. Some of us are in the stranglehold of depression. And we need, we need finally that eternal joy, that wondrous effusive overflow of the love, wondrous love of God. We need it more than ever, don't we? Because that's the only way when we can begin to do this now. You see, all this has been a buildup to this now. Because I have a joy impenetrable and, and undefeatable I have. It's greater than death, even my own. Can it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds? You see, something has happened here. The Holy Spirit's here. And if we are, have our eyes fixed on Jesus the way I've called us to, and we are looking at the giver, not the gifts, and we are on track and we want joy and we want the Holy Spirit to give it to us, and we want this to open up. All right. If we want that to happen, we're going to need it because suffering is coming. And not just the suffering of trials and tribulations in your personal life, but even the very suffering of Jesus. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Every person who has known the greatest joys of life has also suffered. We have an enemy, this world is broken. And our joyous eternal joy doesn't really fit it. And the world will spit you out. And school will spit you out. And this culture will spit you out. It will resent your joy. You know, it will hate your joy. And only if God does, if Father do what I cannot do. All right, I threw the stick. You know, it's funny. It occurred to me. this morning, that if I had thrown a cross, I still would have seen it. I could make out a cross anywhere in a field of sticks. Right, it's very, very much a man-made. You could see it; you'd never, never miss it. A cross is a cross. I remember. Um, it, we can even get a little superstitious about it. Uh, there were two girders over uh, 9/11. I don't know if you ever saw this, but there were two girders that stood in the form of a cross, overlooking the entire, the entire disaster. And men and women saw it, and they were stunned by it. Yeah, and so what have I done? I hope that today I've thrown out Calvary before you and the love of a God that can never be conquered, a love of a God that conquers death, that conquers your stony heart, that can give you new and fresh joy, that opens up all the bounty of the Holy Spirit for all of us. All we have to do is ask. This is given. This is in him. (laughs) This is all flows. I want that flow, and I want that flow for you. And if you're resisting it right now, I'm going to pray that God overwhelms you with it then. And if you, and if you don't want it, I pray you will want it sometime. And if you're hungry for joy, so hungry you want to pass out for it, and asking for it right now. Let's pray. Oh Father, you're a God of joy. I, who knew? <laughs> You're a God of all-consuming joy. From eternity past, you would look at your son and go, there's all my joy. My joy never ends. And the son would look at you, and there's my father. My joy never ends. And the Holy Spirit, my joy never ends. That was you. And then you made us. And we didn't ruin your joy, did we? All we did was, through the cross, through a love that gave its own life, his own life, the Father gave his Son, through in a miracle of resurrection, you're real. And you've taken the ruinous joys of this world and given us something so much better. Oh. Father, we confess that we are joy seekers, joy lovers. We are bloated with pleasure. I pray today that some people will resent this and, and answer, but I pray that the joys of this world... Would become sand in all your mouths and dust this week, and uh, Father, only you can do that. I pray you do it. I'm a little hesitant that you do it because you know tomorrow's my day off, and I want to do fun things. You know how sinful I can be in that. I want—I want change and joy. I want to come to this table with joy. I want this—this this church to be known. Oh my goodness, they're embarrassing in their joy. Father, you can do it. We ask you to do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. On the night, our Savior was betrayed. He had just, in fact, this is, precedes the, uh, the text we were just reading by a few hours. He took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body, given for you. Take and eat. In the same, we have uh, In the same way, He also took during dinner, at the end of dinner, he took a cup of wine. He said, This is my blood. This is the cup of the covenant. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take take and drink this. Do this and remember me. I set before you a table of eternal, inexpressible, wondrous joy. That's what it is. That is what it is. It gets better. I invite you to this table if you're a sinner whose faith is in Jesus. It gets, it gets, gets it's even better. It's not just that he's joyful, but he's joyful in saving you, sinners like us, you and me. Oh, this is real joy, guys. This is a table of joy. Oh, I have some hard words. Um, If you think you're a good person, Eric, this isn't your table. What's that message? I should give you joy too. Good people are not who God is looking for. He's looking for sinners and broken people. Well, I could sign up for that. There's joy right there, isn't there? That He doesn't pick the beautiful and the pretty and the together and the whole. No, He chooses chooses sinners to show His repentance. So if you're a think you're a good person, I urge you. I, 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 I ask you, don't don't come to this table, and you'll eat and drink judgment on yourself. Finally, if you're a, a skeptic and and you you hear all these claims and you wish they were true, <laughs> or you think, boy, it must be nice to believe in such things. Then I say, call out to God for faith, and God will give it. He is the sovereign king, and uh, he can open your eyes. All right, that's it. That's all I have to do with that. And now, um, we all, it, this is very simple now. We're going to stand. Let's stand. We're going to proclaim the mystery of faith and the Apostles' Creed, followed by a song. During the song, please come forward to get the elements and take them back to your seats, and then we will share them together after the song, and we'll be dismissed with a benediction and doxology. So uh, um, tell me, uh, brothers and sisters, what is the, what is this mystery of faith? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Amen. So tell me, Christian, brother and sister, guests, what, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, made by the Holy Spirit, Lord of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of a body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 in Barcadero, just a block away from the ferry building, and we can't wait to see you.